It's the Almost Perfect Podcast. Welcome to the Almost Perfect Podcast. A celebration of fuck-ups, failures, and falling flat on your face. This is a podcast that believes you can learn from experience, but that experience doesn't have to be your own. Ha, I'm but perfect, and I'm a functional fuck-up. Let's learn from somebody else's mistakes. And today we're learning from Nax, aka Maki, aka Mateo Arakombe. And uh, yeah, man. Nax is a producer and musician who is currently in Van Pletsen, but he has been in many, many dope projects over the years that I have really enjoyed and thoroughly enjoyed getting to hear what it was like being a part of bands like Beach Party, what it was like touring with Kid of Doom, first as the merch guy, second as part of the band as the bassist. Because of his brother, Johan, we talk about, yeah, his upbringing how his brother had a big influence on him and just, yeah, man, the whole history of Nax. So this one, this one's quite a fun one. This one's quite an interesting one because we do delve a little bit into the, yeah, the evolution, I guess, and what Van Pletsen is these days, what, what that project is, because it's a satirical look at Afrikaans music, I guess. But at the same time, there is a lot of sincerity to it. So, so we discuss that. We also get into the good old days, the the touring days, the the not knowing that there's many more possibilities than having a few beers and jamming uh, with your mates, those sorts of days. And then, yeah, we talk a little bit. We talk about a lot of stuff, man. You're gonna hear it just now, right here on the Almost Perfect Podcast. Before we get started, I do need to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by you. That means you can support it by going to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. At the moment, I'm actually trying to get Hindenburg. I've been using the trial for the second time now. It's a great editing software. So I'm going to set like a little goal on the Patreon. It's four and a half grand with like this discount that I get. So I figure in two or three months, they should be able to get it. So I don't know if the trial is going to last that long. I think, I think it ends a bit before that. So if you want to help me out, Go to patreon.com forward slash almost perfect and keep the almost perfect podcast sounding amazing. Uh, I hope it sounds amazing. Uh, Anyway, what is up? How are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. If it is your first time, if it is your 90 something time, including the bonus episode, uh, I genuinely do appreciate you tuning in to this project of mine, (laughs) this thing, this diary thing slash I don't know just historical recollection of the South African creative scene over the last however long and (laughs) a sort of guide to being a creative in South Africa yeah no I've definitely got the sales pitch to this thing down as well I'm so good at this anyway (laughs) like I was saying on the podcast today we have got Nax or as I know him mucky but it has been fun to watch the next character evolve and see van pletson as a band grow into this really just fun and weird project that i'm super like i dig it i don't understand everything they're doing i'll be honest with you but i have a lot of fun watching it alien style was the first thing i saw of theirs i dig the track they did with early b uh beat's amazing yeah man i'm, I'm a <laughs> i am a genuinely a fan and it's been cool to see what they've been able to do outside of 
being able to perform live. You know, they put out a lot of different media. They've put out, they've actually been working on a TV show, which we'll get to see soon. We discussed that on the podcast, of course. So I might be giving away too much here. Oh yeah, at some point in the conversation, I start going off about like music managers and the timing of it makes it seem like, well, to me, at least when I was doing the edits, it kind of made it sound like I was attacking the beach party manager and I'm totally not, I'm totally not. It was just, I had my thing that I wanted to say and it, I just kind of blurted it out after Mucky was talking about them actually having a manager and stuff like that. So no shade there for real reels, uh, but plenty of shade to a lot of music managers in the South African music scene in the 2000s. So I do think they fucked up a lot. What's crazy about this conversation is all the stuff we didn't talk about because there is quite a lot. I mean, we spoke about a lot of the bands, but we didn't get to speak about Art Snakes, which is a band that uh, he was in with Vanna Olkers, who, who was the last guest on the podcast. So you can go check that out. Because of that, uh, Maki had heard the Vanna episode. I was like, yo, dude, we should do a podcast. And I was like, hell fucking yeah. Because like I say, I've really enjoyed a lot of Maki's music. We discussed Hello Beautiful, which is another one of his projects. That's a solo project. I watched one of their live shows at Mealy Pop and was just absolutely blown away. And I, I hope that there will be more Hello Beautiful shows. And there are a few. There's actually quite a lot of stuff on here that's dropped. Like a lot of... A lot of projects apparently are being worked on. Some things might be happening that I think you might be excited about. If, like me, you used to go to gigs back in the 2000s, you used to read your SL magazine, you used to read your Blunt magazine, you used to, yeah, you used to go in your skinny jeans. Sometimes Some of you dyed your hair weird-ass fucking colors, man. Some of you straightened your hair. I know I did. And if you were part of that vibe then some of the news that gets dropped today will definitely excite you. So I'm keen for you to hear that. Max is definitely someone who's just like constantly creating, constantly working on millions of different projects. We, we yeah, once again, even get into like the songwriting side of things for other people and how we spoke a little bit about how he gets into production with Planet Awesome, with Peach and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm definitely going to get him back sometime because he shares so many stories on here that he's never shared before at least that's what he says at least not publicly so like i say a lot of scoops a lot of knowledge dropped a lot of things you can put in the history books when it comes to some formations of bands in south africa so i hope you enjoy this one and i hope you've been enjoying your week as always my week's been up and down uh, mental health been terrible and then okay fairly decent kind of okay today it's like i feel I don't know, as I do this, as I get into this, things are a lot more of a vibe, but also things with my grand have kind of gotten better at the moment because it looks like we are able to sell my grandfather's car. We've got a buyer and stuff involved. And so that's going to be out of our hair. And that's been like a big deal in all of this. Because let me tell you, winding up in a state is not a fun time. It's not a good time. It's a lot of just monotonous drudgery and repetitive days of packing things and calling people and going through paperwork and just yeah finding this finding that throwing this away getting these people to come collect this thing so a lot of that stuff's winding down now a lot of that's being handled so we're heading into the final stretch i think 
but it looks like I should be heading home. Like I've said in the next month for uh, probably a couple of weeks now, but yeah, in the next month. And I'm going to keep telling myself that because I need that hope. I need that hope. Some days I need that hope. Today was chilled, but yeah, other days there's a bit more stress on the house. But I think I think things are getting better and we're, we're yeah, we're making it through each day together. So yeah, that, that's been the vibe. And other than that, I just want to say I do not want to hear fucking Khloe Kardashian's opinion on body issues. Like I'm sure she has hers. Clearly she fucking, oh, of course she has body issues. That, that's the most obvious thing in the fucking world. But at the end of the day, her and her family need to own up to their responsibility when it comes to a lot of the body image issues that the fucking entire world has. That not just women, but women in particular have because of them. I mean, men, we have our body issues because of media as well, because of all the shit that we see fucking all the time. And yeah, man, people like I get that famous people obviously feel a lot of pressure to look a certain way and they conform to that. But because of them doing it and them projecting that and them editing the fuck out of their faces for Instagram, but also doing it in real life. And once again, I will not once again. You probably don't even know my opinions on plastic surgery. I don't think I've said them on here. But I don't give a fuck. Do your thing. Go get plastic surgery. I don't care. That is totally a vibe. You've got your reasons. You know why you want to do it. But at the same time, we obviously know that all of us are feeling some fucking pressure to look a certain way. To not just age gracefully. To not just accept our bodies the way they are. You know, to get ahead, especially if you're in the creative scene, especially if you're an artist or of some sort, you know, especially if you're trying to be a part of pop culture, especially, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, if you want to be a famous musician or you want to be a famous actor or actress or whatever it is, if you need to have the public like you, there is going to be a part of you that thinks, do I look good enough? And I think obviously that's not even just for those people. I think everyone can relate to the thing of not feeling like you look good enough. <laughs> like we all go through that throughout our lives because of advertising, because of influencers, fuck influencers, fuck influencer culture, fuck the entire concept. You're not a fucking influencer. You're a shill. You are a shill, a shill. Okay. You're a fucking shill. That's what you do. You shill products on people and you live a fake fucking life on the internet and you project all this fucking bullshit that other people then think that they have to live up to, to live the good life. And then they wonder why they're not fucking happy and why they're not living the good life because they're doing all the things you're doing and you're so fucking happy. Meanwhile, you're also fucking miserable. And then you're posting on the internet for sympathy. But meanwhile, you've created this entire fucking culture. Oh. <sighs> Cool. Sorry, I just needed to get that off my chest. I'm so, I've, yeah, I'm just over celebrity culture in general. I'm over fucking capitalism. <laughs> Obviously, we're all are. I'm over just the shenanigans and the fakeness and the fucking bullshit that we all have to try and aspire to and adhere to to get ahead in this fucking world. All the, yeah, just all the censorship you have to do. Uh, for yourself, the self-censorship, if you want to make it in this world, if you want people to like you, if you want 
people to give you jobs. If you want to make money, you have to toe a certain line and you have to look a certain way and you have to, I'm just genuinely fucking over that shit. And I'm over celebrities trying to manipulate our sympathy now because Britney Spears generally went through some horrible fucking shit. So now other celebrities are like, oh, let me get some of that sympathy too. The public's feeling nice about celebrities now. Nah, fuck you. <sighs> okay, now, now I'm done. Now I'm done. <laughs> anyway, like I said earlier, this podcast is brought to you by you uh, over at patreon.com forward slash almost perfect. There are three tiers there and the top tier, the titular titles tier is a $10 tier. And this is a tier. It's not a tier like as in, you know, coming out of your eye. It's a tier as in you ascend to a higher fucking level. Okay, this is not a marketing scheme. This is not a multi-level marketing scheme. It's not one of those. This isn't a pyramid scheme. You get genuine fucking benefits out of this, okay? This is for real reals. You get a title on this podcast. You get to put this on your CV. I mean, I don't know what that's going to do for you. I don't know if that's going to help. But I'll sign a letter. I'll do that. I think I'm admitting to fraud here. I don't know if I'll do that. We can chat in the DMs, like whatever. But you give me $10 a month, you get to be a part of this podcast. You get to work for me by paying me. It's the greatest scheme. It's not a scheme. Um, it's, it's totally not a scheme. Sorry, I do not mean scheme. This is a great way to pad your CV and also contribute to culture in South Africa. So shout out to the cast and crew. Shout out to the titular titles tier. Those team members, those honored team members are His Excellency, President for Life, Field Marshal, Stephen Olafia, VC, DSO, MC, Lord of all the beasts of the earth and fishes of the seas and conqueror of the British Empire and Africa in general and certain parts of KwaZulu-Natal in particular. Or something slightly less pretentious, like executive producer. Uh, Chief Sales Officer of Cecil Heresies in the Greater Oberberg region. Rousseau, shoutouts to you. Shoutouts to Julian, who is the king. Shout out to Kath Jenkin, who is the inevitable ruler of the universe, and Queen Swifty. See, you give me $10 and I have to fucking call you Queen Swifty. God damn it. I don't know if I like this. Anyway, uh, shout out to Vishendra Naidu, who is a spiritual advisor, and shout out to Tyron Love, who is our pantsless weasel. And lastly, before we get into the podcast, I need to let you know you can buy a mug. An almost perfect mug. If you want to see what that looks like, go to Almost Perfect Media on Instagram. Scroll a little bit. You can scroll down a little bit. You'll see a beautiful picture of a gorgeous mug. It says Almost Perfect on it. They are 100 Rand each. And 10 Rand from each sale goes to Sasonke. Sasonke is an organization that is by sex workers for sex workers that is working to decriminalize sex work in South Africa, but also supporting sex workers in a number of different ways. And you can go check them out at sasonke.org.za. With that out the way, and without further ado, here comes the Almost Perfect Podcast with Nax. So how are you living, Nax? How's it? (laughs) (laughs) Coming straight into character. I like it. I like it. Oh, dude. Thanks for having me here. Super amped to have a good long chat with you about who knows what we'll see where it goes yeah we will man like this is this is going to be a fun one especially because like we were discussing beforehand a lot of people these days don't actually know that 
You can talk. Dude, uh, man, this is a conversation, Abe, but I can get into this. But ask me some questions. Well, that's the thing. So this character, Nax, that you've got going on, because I, I know you as many other names, actually. The name that like, Please most do people... Please let me know. What, what name is this? <laughs> well, your, your, your government name, and yeah. then Maki is the one that everyone affectionately knows you as. Let me just give some background. So my name is Mathieu Aurecombe. I'm a Frenchman, born in France, but I live in South Africa my whole life. My dad's French, my mom is South African. So I got given this proper French name, but I'm not even there. So long story short, Maki came from when I was a kid. Apparently I called myself Maki. I don't know the real story, but it kind of stuck and everyone knows me as Maki. So yeah. It's one of those things. It's like me with Bob. Like that's that's not my government name, but... Dude, I know you just as Bob, bro. <laughs> is that not your name? <laughs> that is not, like, it's not even a little. My name's not Robert. It's not even close. It's just okay, wait, the name that I am What is your called. name, though? Uh, for the listeners, for the hundredth time, my name is Darren Scott. Uh, that is why I had to change it. Because when someone stops dropping K-bombs and they have the same name as you, <laughs> you've got to change your name, unfortunately. Dude, I know you as Bob, and I'll always know you as Bob. But you like think about it. Like, can you imagine me as a Darren? In a sense, I can. But because I know you as Bob, it's a strange one to pinpoint. I just know you as Bob, dude. That's kind of like you with the Mucky Mateo thing. Like, I can imagine. Wait, that, wait, like, stop right there, dude. Mateo, I'm saying it wrong. Hey, Mateo is something I heard when I was in like grade three. Teachers like Mateo, can you please come up to the fucking desk, kind of thing. And Mateo is what everyone thinks it. My name is because it looks like that when you read it, but it's it's Mathieu. Mathieu. So it's pretty much Mathieu. like Matthew in French, long story short. Okay, Mathieu. I'm going to definitely practice that multiple times for the intro. <laughs> Let me be honest with you, my parents call me that name when they pissed off with me. So that's how I affiliate that name. But I love my name, but it's just a name I don't really always go by. Uh, it's the same with me, my mom, like whenever she used to get mad with me, it was like Darren John Scott. Yeah, dude, when like, your parents say that shit, you got to be scared, bro. <laughs> exactly. You know the belt. Yeah, I know, dude. <laughs> That's interesting, though, to me, that like the French uh, background, because I mean, obviously in the name that made sense to me. But at the same time, because you, you're from Pretoria and you're part of the Afrikaans scene, I always thought you were, you know, a staunch Afrikaner. Look, I, I am Afrikaans. Let me just give you a quick background. Is I went to English schools mostly for the reason that my dad, he's a French man and he lives there. He's French. He doesn't speak Afrikaans or understand it. So my mom just kind of put us in a, me and my brother, you know my brother, Johanna Rika. Yeah. She put us in English schools. Just I think part of it was for that reason. But yeah, like my mom's super Afrikaans. Okay, so your mom was Afrikaans influence there. So you're okay. So that's it. Your dad's French, mom on the Afrikaans side, and then you are now dual citizenship, but like basically living in South Africa. Did, how do they say that? Yeah, you speak Afrikaans at home, but you are English speaking person too. I don't know how to pinpoint that, but yeah. I guess that's a part of growing up in South Africa is having to be duolingo with english being that common thing for me you see i don't have that because i just grew up english in kwazulu natal 
So I know I can't claim that the Afrikaans verstaan, maar kan I'm going I'm going to introduce you to the Mengels at some point in this conversation and it's going to blow your mind. It's Afrikaans and English combined. Mengels. Okay, yeah. so this is like Spanglish. But this is pretty much the foundation of Van Platen, my band. Okay, we'll get there soon, or maybe in a little while. Yeah. But let's actually start start at the beginning, man. Yeah, let's yeah. start Talk at the beginning. How did you get started in music? Because I'm going to assume your brother probably started before you and was an influence, but maybe I'm wrong there. Did you literally just said everything I wanted to say? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so let me put it this way. My brother is five years older than me, and he obviously influenced me with not just playing music, but the music I started to listen to for the, for the first time. So if I can backpoint, I must have been, dude, I was probably like 10, 9, 8, somewhere there. And 7, 6, 5, yeah, 1, yeah. No, no, not that young. But... I remember this, I don't remember the actual memory, but I, I just know this is how it kind of went and he had confirmed it. It's cool. He once gave me a Blink-182 CD, dude. When CDs were around, remember that time? Fuck. Yeah, I and, didn't know and, state. Yeah, dude. But I'm talking before that, dude. He gave me a Blink CD and he gave me a no Effects CD. And he was like, uh, he's like, he was literally like, dude, this shit is fucking cool you should listen to this because this is sick. And I'm like this young dude. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, let's go. And that's pretty much where it started. So yes, Johan did, he did get me into music. So let me just share a funny story with you. My mom eventually agreed to, okay, these two little fork knives will never seek dude. Cool. <laughs> she got me a drum kit. And dude, I've never ever said this ever. Like on anything but this is this is going to get leaked now she got me a drum kit a little cheap drum kit and i'll get to where we got from i don't even know the georgie Hodges brothers and all anyway and she got johanna she got johanna acoustic guitar and we got her and, and i just remember johan telling me like dude i'm gonna play drums and i think you should play guitar and literally from that day on that's what we did <laughs> that's the thing when you said like your mom bought new drums like I know your brother's a drummer and you're the guitarist so I was like yeah, okay yeah. I know where this is going yeah so I was, I was I was just like fuck yeah brother let's go so Johan got me in music and I really thanked the guy for it very much and we do still jam time to time and we've had bands together we'll get there but yeah it all really started with my brother but to go deeper my dad actually was a jazz musician for quite a while at his young when he was even younger than what I'm now and I'm now turning 32. He in his early 20s he was just jamming jazz with his own brother dude which is a younger brother wow. so it's like a very weird cycle of a generation that's kind of repeating itself in a weird way yeah we own music equipment from our father and uncle that is priceless to us really so it all started with them really so they were obviously very accepting of you playing music i mean your parents they, they were instruments. They, they were like especially my dad very like you should jam bro because jamming is fucking cool man you know what i mean it's like it's this, so this thing and yes 
yeah, that's where it all started. So I do thank my brother. He did get me into music, especially punk, dude. Like I started off with punk, to be honest. I my first CD ever was the like a NoFX CD. I think it was Thanks and So Long for all the Shoes or something like that. Thanks all for the, the Shoes. shoes. Yeah, man. Yes, that was my first actual physical CD I owned, and I cherish that thing so much. I still, it's actually framed in my house. Well, flat. Nice. It's there, yeah. and it's it's just a reminder of. I appreciate my brother for that. Even though we can really get into a box macar state, not actually, but siblings. That's all I'm going to say. Music always brings us together. And yes, he did get me into music. But what was it like? Because so your brother was in Kid of Doom, right? Which is at the time was just like phenomenal band. You know, like they were like a seminal band. They were a band that was just like put on the fucking map and like everyone loved them and like they were highly rated so what's it like growing up seeing that so when kiddedom started i think i was probably like 15 14 somewhere around there i'm not too sure i can't remember very well but i was young i was in school and my brother was out of school and they were starting his band he had met a bunch of different musicians well, let me put it this way. Before Kid of Doom, my brother was jamming in like some prog bands and they were like experiencing like what we want to do. But the one guy that was with him was Rake, Rake Bender. Yeah. And he's the guitarist of Kid of Doom. So they started jamming together. And I remember them jamming in his room and my room was next to his. And it was like Nirvana covers and dude, it was all <laughs> sorts of like the classic, like, we should cover this, bro. You kind of cover. And but So you had no clue what was coming? No, no, dude, obviously not. But at that point, I was jamming my acoustic guitar I got given by your hand. You know? okay. <laughs> I was loving okay, it. So when Kid of Doom started actually, like, becoming a band, I was intrigued, dude. I didn't know what an actual band is like. Like, I, my brother took me to Thrashers once to go okay. skate. And I started like skateboarding and that's actually where I saw my first band, dude. Experienced my first like proper punk show, like proper loud, sweaty, filthy show to like six people. And I was one of those six people. I was like literally 15 watching this band going, I want to do that. Like, holy shit. And that's not when Kiddin started. Sorry, I'm backtracking hard now, but that's when he had another band. No can do. Yeah, but that's anyway, where it started to but influence. And like back, back to the point. Yes, when Kiddin started, I eventually started being the merch guy. Like, I sold their merch. And my mom had to, like, dude, no one knows this, but she would, like, write me a sick letter that I can't attend school because I'm, like, in Cape Town the with my brother mom. and them. The best mom, but fuck. I think she regrets it now a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, I saw them merge. They did do something to people, I guess, because it was different and real. And I didn't think I could be understood it then. I loved it because I'm like so new to this. And the thing that they offered was just yes. that it was, was just so fucking different from what like everyone else was doing. And it was so musical. Like, it was just a journey. It was a rad fucking live experience. Watching Kid of Doom was just this thing that was just, like, it washed over you, man. What was your experience when you watched Kid of Doom, Ashley? That's what what I just said. Yes. So, how old were you when you watched them? 
Uh, over the years, it was a few like different the first years. time, the first time when you watched Kira Doom, like, you like, what? like 20, 21, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Like, anyway. I was, I, but I was a bit older, but like, I still didn't fucking know shit. Like, and they were quite different. Like I hadn't been into like, you know, I, I like metal, you know, like when it came to like the musicality so side of things. into metal because I am... <laughs> Big into metal, dude. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, when I was younger, I loved it. These days, like, I do get a little bored, but that's just my bad. Like, that's just me. Yeah. Like, I like different things and whatever. Yeah. But when I was younger, like, that was probably the closest thing to Kid of Doom that I was into, you know? And then yes. Kid of Doom came out, and they started, like, playing this just, you know, proggy, mathy influenced, yeah. like, Slash, who knows even what the fuck? <laughs> exactly so to me like it was just this wild thing so that's why like i i wondered what it was like being so close to it it's funny that you said that because to me it was also a really wild thing and i feel it's a heavy backbone of how i feel about music is just seeing my brother like pursue kind of like trying to be in a band they're all studying they're students i'm young man it was a good time and i learned a lot there that i might not realize till not too long ago that whoa that was a big part of my life dude fuck <laughs> it's how, it's funny how your 30s do that eh dude let's not go there <laughs> <laughs> but just to end off the whole kiddo doom thing is yes my brother did get me into music and funny enough that's where i met peach slash Taunt. i met him when i was like 15 dude and not oh, once yeah. did we even realize what we would still be doing in each each other's lives later in life but we'll get to that so okay, i met no, peach please, that time and i was gonna say please tell me about a young peach dude young peach firstly long ass fucking hair <laughs> like <laughs> like rock and roll hair you know like that proper like i'm growing my hair out bro dude he uh, i don't i can't even say that much because it was very I do have a story to share that I don't think was ever shared and they might be like, bro, but I'm going to share this. <laughs> so a... Peach was actually supposed to be the keyboard player for Kid of Doom. Mm. <laughs> and he was drama, at the drama, first, drama. first, uh, not actually drama, it's actually going to laugh. <laughs> so they were all friends, Peach, Richard, Ray, Johan, and there was some other guys there. Like They were like, you know, when you are, in your early 20s you like hang out with your crew and you have house parties and you jam and you know yeah. it's like you just i had said but you're living you like doing this your life is not very worrying you're very on a easy place your worries are all socially bro yes so peach met richard you know richard the keyboard player yeah richard brokenshaw yes yeah, so they were friends and they came to the first rehearsal of Kid of Doom because Richard was going to come like audition and jam. Not even audition, just jam. That's how it was back then. Not that it's not like that now, but like it, I'm trying to explain how I saw it. So Peach was there. Keyboard's ready, bro. Set it up. Rake's got his guitar going. Johan's on the kit going, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, let's jam. As Johan does. <laughs> and Baron's like, let's go it. And then Richard's like, Ugh, I mean, Peach is like, I'm going to just go make Eros for all of us. Fuck yeah. Because we had a band room at my mom's house where I'm actually living at right now for a while, where the band room was and where everything started. So Peach goes out and makes Eros, dude. 
And Richard starts playing keyboard and they start jamming and they just start jamming. And when Peach came back, dude, it was just Richard. <laughs> and Peach never happened, bro. <laughs> and that is a story that they might be like, yeah, why the fuck do you say that? But here it is, bro. Here it is. <laughs> as, as time goes on and this podcast and fun, goes on, we very enough, much might hear other people start of that story. But listen, funny enough, Vanna was also a part of that whole crew, dude. Vanna, like I listened oh, to your Vanna podcast. And Vanna Alkers was also part of that whole crew because Johan and then met Peach and Barnes and Vanna because they were all together in school, Peach, Vanna and Barnes. So that was a whole like vibe going on at that time. I feel like Pretoria had a similar vibe to Durban in that regard. And that like, it's a small scene where everyone's kind of interconnected and you all cross over. Small but super fucking special that like, I don't think people can ever really understand unless they were a part of it, you know, like, and I know that might be feeling, you know, like everyone might feel that way about, you know, their youth or their period in time. But there was something about the 2000s and the 2010s, you know, like where, you know, there was this unbridled creativity because I think there wasn't that much before us, if that makes sense, because of the wave, you know, because of apartheid, basically. So there were a few bands that came out before the 2000s, but not like they were all copying what was happening overseas and were kind of generic and stuff like that. And then stuff really started to get creative. And I do think towns and cities like Pretoria and Durban in particular, and even Maritzburg, I mean, Felix fucking band is from Maritzburg and like, but just smaller cities created these cool pockets of, yeah, like creativity essentially. And I've always felt that Pretoria had a similar vibe to Durban and that it was just this thing of like, well, we don't know any better. So we're just going to make shit up as we go along. Yeah, I hear you, dude. Like, I have quite a soft spot for Durban bands because every Durban band that comes out of Durban just is so fucking sick. Awesome, dude. Like, doesn't matter the genre. It's just, there's like a work ethic somewhere in there. It's like, what is in the air there, dude? It's, it's, I don't know if work ethic is the thing that like Durbanites have because Durbanites are late to fucking everything. Like I remember yeah, rolling with the Misers, but, but, but I think it's a passion thing. That's what I think it is. It's not because no band in Durban is doing it for the money, and I think that's yeah. the truth. So that's yeah. why like Durban bands are sick because at no point are they thinking how does this sell because they know it's not going to fucking sell. So it's how do you make this band? Yeah, no, dude, I have a crazy, like, how can I say? Just the way I see a lot of bands, I know that were once bands that came from Durban. Yeah. Has always just been so fucking rad. Yeah, we had an amazing scene, dude, like, genuinely. Like, super supportive, super fun. Every weekend was just something to look forward to. And you guys had, like, Hotbox, and you guys had, like, all these dope things happening in Pretoria at the same time. Yeah. You got any stories from Hotbox? You play there at all? I have played there. So I had a band in high school called Pretty Fool. And we, after high school, we were still jamming this band. It was like the classic high school band. <laughs> Dude, if I listen back to it now, I'm like, fuck, crazy. But you still got those recordings. <laughs> Bro, got everything. And I listen back, I'm just well, like, what, I like, what was I, what were we like? We were young. Let's just put it there. And we were looking up to a lot of things, but it was a classic, like, 
four mates jamming together like, I'm going to play the bass. I'm going to do guitar. Dude, I'm going to play drums. Like, it was that that classic thing. But it did shape my music career to today in a weird way. Not that, I don't know how to explain it even. Like, I think the experience is where I won. Dude, how to even say this? Like, I think it was just such good times as friends and jamming and being very amped about it. It's so, just a pure, yeah. it's a pure fucking thing. Crazy enough, I'm still, I'm still in contact with all those guys. And the Are bass they still is, making music? Um, oh. <laughs> so, yes, the singer Vim, we are very close friends. Vim Janssen van Rensburg. We're close friends. He's also in production game and he's in the music industry, but on a, a whole other field in a weird way. It's like, teachers and all the stuff but we're still good mates we've kept contact forever and the drummer uh, he's overseas the bassist who knows but yeah what i'm trying to say is that that form a part of how i see a connection with two three dudes in a band where it's not just music it's like you mates for you is that like part of the whole experience of making music like especially with the bands you've been in because i know like you've been in beach party which was a party hello beautiful was more <laughs> of a solo thing that you've ebbed and flowed with over time and van platen's also a thing that's like a good times kind of thing yeah. and with people that you well with someone who you dig hard so is that like a big part of the not the commercial side of what you do but the artistic side of what you do i guess right what's your question my question is, is making music with friends the thing that's kept you going all these years? So it all started with making music friends, to be honest. Let me just get this out of the way. So I was the merch guy for Kid of Doom, and then I got yes. promoted to the bassist because the bassist, Barrand, went through something very hectic, and he couldn't carry on with the band. And they were like, we just recorded our second album, and we we got tour dates and we need we need someone to jam. And Johan was like, dude, my little brother's been here forever. He knows everything. He knows how to play bass. Let's just get him for the tour. And I came in. It was fucking weird. It was the first time I played shows to actual people, like a crowd. Oh. I'm used to oh, playing. Wow. Dude, I'm used to playing at that time. Though. I'm still in school. I'm used to playing to like your school friends going, fuck yeah, man, that's so rad. And you don't think further than that. And I'm now put on this stage where we, we're going to go, we're going to go tour in cities. And I'm like, okay. My mom's like, okay. And my brother's like, fuck yeah, it's going to be rad, dude. I look again, we're playing like at Kirsenbosch, dude. And I'm just this young oh, wow. dude playing. And dude, it really, it scared me. It really scared me at that point. But if I look back at it, it was a great experience. And we did play for like a year and then the band broke up, which was anyway going to happen at that point, to be honest. I actually need to ask you something. Did you stay at my place once, like with the whole band? Because there was one time that Ali fucking... I think I did. No, Ali got stories about Ali. (laughs) Yeah, of course you got stories about Ali. So Ali Heath from uh, The Misers... Yes. Uh, once called me 
and was like, yo, do you mind if some of the Kid of Doom guys stay at your place tonight? I actually, like, I, I wasn't there, dude. That was still was boring, to be honest. That was... Okay. That I was, couldn't remember, because there were 13 fucking people that landed up in my flat that night. No. So I don't know who was there. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure this person was 13. It was 13 or 11. Was, That's like classic game. 2008, 2009 kind of game. <laughs> yeah, that was it. It was like, can one or two of the Kid of Doom guys stay at your place? I rock up at Joe Calls. It's the entire band, the sound, the lighting, some other people. Totally, yeah. um, I don't know who was dating who at that time, but there were people that weren't yeah. part of the band that were involved. Yeah, so, no, <laughs> I wasn't there. But yeah. yeah, so I was with Kid of Doom for a bit. And funny enough, we are still all in contact and we are writing new music. Funny enough, you asked yeah. like, now that we're here. And yeah, we're going to release some shit, dude. We're going to release song shit. Two. Yes, it's happening. We've been working on it for... Not well, that just actually made working day. on it, but Rake is writing. Johan is fucking... Richard's keen. And <laughs> obviously, I'm keen. So we're going to just do it for ourselves in a weird way. Just make a song. Uh, everyone's in different continents, dude. Richard's in Cape Town. Johan's here. I'm here. Rake's in Netherlands. So we're going to just somehow make it happen and get something together and put it out there, dude. Dope. I think a lot of people are going to be pretty stoked about that. Yeah. But then, okay, after, after Kid of Doom, yeah. uh, you, you had that experience and it at first shocked you, but you probably got used to it after time. Not the really, next thing, actually, didn't yeah. you? Did you, have you? Yeah, because after, after Kid of Doom, I didn't really jam any of that. That's when I kind of started Hello Beautiful. Yeah, so Hello Beautiful is the project of yours that like, I know the best because I've listened to it the most, I think. Like, I've listened to a lot of Hello Beautiful, dude, and especially that track that you did with Harmony Boucher and, like, that's oh, um, dude, you were the first like person that. to mention that track. It's my favorite track, dude. Well, fuck, it's my favorite track. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the story about the day we recorded that. Well, tell me now. Let's hear it. So, my brother and Askir Doom, they play a lot of shows with Locke. You remember Locke? Yeah, do. fucking Inga. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they were involved with the manager called Dominique, which Johan and Johan, my brother, and Dominique ended up making a company, Hrit. You all know about Hrit. So mm -hmm. I kind of was this young like guy wanting to be a producer, making like his own solo vibe and remixing stuff. And Johan got me this gig where you you want to remix like this really cool band, Vuvu Vultures. Vava Vultures, however you say it. And I was like, dude, what? For a young guy to remix some London band, it's always like something. It's quite cool. And they were they were hip, man. They were on they bass. Were, they, they were, were so yeah, cool. they were doing it. But they were a really rad band. And I was like, cool. I did this remix. It never got properly released to them. But I released it and I cherish the remix, it's such like an old production I did. Probably, what, dude, this is like 2012, no, 20, dude. It's like yeah. almost 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, eight years about. And from there, Harmony was like, yo, I did this remix. Like, we're coming down to play at Ramfest. And yeah, I'm I actually booked them for a show in Durban as well. Yeah, dude, I was there. <laughs> and <laughs> they, she was just like, yo, let's make something. And obviously, I was like fanboying out of my purse, to be honest. <laughs> and I was like, yes, let's do this. So I didn't really have a full song 
as you can hear the song, the vocals just end at some point. So yeah. we were in Cape Town. They were there. She came. I picked her up where they were living, and we went straight to a studio. Is the guy's called Fred? He plays in Devils and Tusties. You probably know Fred. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, yeah so, I think we mentioned his name last time on this podcast with Vanna Olkers. Go check out that story, people. Yeah. So he's like, yo, dude, I'll track you guys because they didn't really have a proper studio. I had like a computer with some speakers and an idea, you know what I mean? So we go there. So for me already, it's like, whoa, this is really cool. I mean, like a cool studio. She like just tracks pretty much one verse and that was it. And I worked it into the song, mixed it and just released it. But it was never done, dude. That's the that's what I'm trying to get it. It was never done. Really? You feel like that's never we, done? No, I don't. But it's okay. Only years later I found out that she was also just going through a super weird time. As you can hear the lyrics, it's like weird. But I yeah. cherish that moment. That was the song. It's my favorite song, actually. Yeah, that's why it's so interesting to hear that you feel like it was unfinished, but maybe it was totally like go it listen to the song, dude. Go listen to it again. I'll go listen you'll, you'll I'll go listen to it again. You're the not, vocals dude, you know how many just times I've like Yeah. I just, I never thought that was like a bad thing, I guess. Like, I thought that just kind of was I, I like, you know, the, the song, like, you know, like, because I, I, I could, I can imagine the live performance when I hear that song, if that makes sense. Like, I can never, picture her and you on stage together. never played live. I know, but I'm saying I can imagine it. When yeah. I hear that song, I can imagine you guys performing it. Because I've also watched you perform at uh, Mealy Pop, I think where it was fucking glorious, dude. Your hair was blowing in the wind. You were rocking what? the fuck out. It was that like such show, a dope show. I think is my favorite Hollywood show I've ever played. Oh, I'm so glad but, I got but, to see but, it. But, let, but let's, skip, let's skip through the whole Hollywood Beautiful, get to okay, the point to where it was a band. No, but like, I, I just want to let you know, at one point, let me just let you, you must understand, you know how Hello Beautiful started is Johan, actually. Funny enough, again, he was like, dude, you need to make your own shit. And that's how that you started. I did a remix for Gateway Drugs, um, Airwaves. And that was my first release of Hello Beautiful was a Gateway Drugs remix that I did was for... Was that on the NAS? It was on the NAS thing, eh? I don't it was like know. Nice it probably mix. was. No, or maybe I, think, I don't know. But I did that. Years later, I'm back in Pretoria and then Johan was like this jam and then we kind of made had a beautiful band didn't last long but man it was fun <laughs> it was fun you saw the band you saw the full yeah, band dude. it was three of us dude. I think it was me Vim. yes you know the other guy is the vocalist of Pretty the Fool so yeah, that's were, yes that's where we all kind of connected again and it didn't last long but man it was fun and yeah I think How to Beautiful is kind of done, to be honest. I don't have the, I don't know. I'm just feeling to do new things. It's not about energy. It's more like I just want to kind of do something new, dude. That makes sense. I get that. Like different time periods for different but projects. But Beautiful does stay. I will probably release things every now and then. It's like a place for a song to live, if that makes sense. It's well, like for, platform, it's, in a sense. I would assume like a certain sound, though, because you also do have other genres that you can play with and other labels that you can use like i I, I can imagine i mean because you have always just been in multiple different things and like like we've been saying from the get-go you know the different the different names and the different personas i guess 
is the thing you could continue to play with. I mean, maybe if you're feeling like you were saying, like you love metal, maybe if you want to start a metal project, you can have a whole right. new character. I'll get to that because I am starting a fucking metal project. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just calling, calling all these shots out of nowhere. <laughs> but yeah, that's had a beautiful. It's still, it's still alive, but it's not an active band. That's pretty much the only way. To it's just a. Uh, Production project, he said. It's a place where I can release a song with, who knows, like a guest vocalist, and it's a place for a song to live, and it's, it's dude, I hate the saying, but it's a passion project. That's dope. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No, there's not, but I love it, and it's there, and it's quite quiet now, but whatever. Anyway, Beach Party. So tell me about your time Let with Beach Party, because this is, this is the time Beach of your life Party. that you... This was the whole This was the whole foundation for this conversation, actually. You were like, Yo, dude, i got some stories to tell you about Beach Party. And I was like... I'm so, <laughs> okay, dude, I moved to Cape Town. I think it was... Oh, wait. Yes. I just realized, you. so you said you did a cover, or you did a remix of Gateway Drugs, and then you yes. were in Beach Party. Oh, snap. So I, was there some... It was, was there a connection time. there? It was the same time. So I like I grew up in Pretoria and at twenty two, I was twenty two and I like made this mission to Cape Town with a good buddy of mine, Franco. And we would go went to go work for a sound company called Geras, where you like literally packing okay. out trucks. Like yeah. sound company works out, it's gonna be so cool. Yes, we're packing out <laughs> trucks and setting up fucking speakers and working labor. Living right? the dream. Yeah, living the dream. So we went there, it was fucking rad, and the drummer of Beach Party, Zander, I'm sure you know him. Yeah. He him and I were in school together in high school in Pretoria, because yeah. he's actually from Pretoria. So that's where we met With each other. Name Alexander. Oh fuck. And then when I was in Cape Town, he saw like I reached out, I was like, yeah, dude. I'm this side, let's hang out. And he's like, dude, yo, we have this band Beach Point. I was like, dude, I know, it's fucking rad. He's like, our bassist kind of just like quit and he's out and we're looking for a bassist. And it's very, very like super beginning of Beach Party. Before Beach Party even was Beach Party in a weird way, but they were Beach Party. He's like, you want to join? I was just like, without a doubt, like, let's do this. I rock up at a rehearsal. I see Zander for the first time in like five years. I'm like, dude, what's up? The old bassist, it was his last set with them in the band room. I watched. I was kind of intrigued. I must say, I was like, I'm not <laughs> used to this Cape Town style band. Like, this is different. And we all know about okay, that. Please, no, 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 no. We don't all know about that because... Dude. I'm going to assume that they might have been slightly more pedantic than no, other bands, but maybe were, maybe I'm projecting it. They looked so good, stylish, fucking, everything was just so epic, and I'm watching this band in a band. Everything was like, thought out. Bro, pretty much. In a weird way, but also not. Like, not exactly. Okay. It's just, they were just so cool, and I'm not used to surf rock, bro. I've never even thought of surf rock. And I'm sitting there like, fuck, I'm going to do this. I'm going to jam this back. So one thing leads to another. We're rehearsing. Things are going well. They're all Kid of Doom fans. And I know Zander, and we've got like a friendship going. And the first show, dude, we play in Kalkbai, like beachfront fucking proper beach party vibe. But I rock up there in like cowboy boots and skinny jeans and like this rock and roll t-shirt that says Motley Crew. 
And dude, Dave is just like, bruh, we have a dress code. And I realized then, like, <laughs> this is, I'm so not like, I don't know what the fuck is cooking here. But from oh then God, on, that's... from then, yeah. <laughs> from then, so David. Yeah, that's so David. Uh, you know Dave. And from then on, I, I kind of like started getting to know them. I started wearing costumes as a dress code. and you started dude, wearing floral dude, shirts. Dude, yeah, floral shirts. But in that same time, dude, we really actually got to know each other very well and started to make music in a different way where one guy doesn't just write the whole song. It's like we really started to jam and that's where I realized there's more to a band than what I thought at that point. And had all the bands such, been it before was had such an experience? Yes, there's always a leader, of course. But like it was different, dude. I met really cool people. I'm new to a town. These are like fucking cool people, all with the same interests. We're young. We wanna kind of fuck eight in a way, in a sense, I guess. And dude, it shaped my how can I say the way I see music today is that band. And that band will be so special to me. We are all still in contact, except Andy. He's very somewhere in Europe. On the, we don't on know. The DL. Okay. Yeah, I wonder what DL. happened to him. So that, that's good to know. Yeah, he, you know, he's out there, but I don't know, to be honest. Not, ma- not making music anymore. Not produ- no, we're not putting stuff out there that we know of. He's making music, but he's not putting it out. But I met Dave, I met Danielle, Sander, and everyone, and it was like so different to me that I just fell right in place in a weird way because I was so amped for something different without knowing it at the time. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And especially because like you were always your hands little brother in Pretoria and now you're yourself in Cape Town. You're your own person. Yeah, yeah in a sense, in a sense. So start playing surf rock. Fucking holy fuck. What the fuck? <laughs> How do I even play surf rock? And we jammed. You learned. We, had, we had six shows. Did you... Booked us for a show, I think, in Durban. In Durban, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, like, it was a super fun ride. Long story short, eventually, after s- loads of like fun tours that weren't tours, it was more like holidays. Eventually, Andy left the band, and he used to record us. Actually, he was like the producer in a weird way, and him and Dave always getting fights, but they love each other because they have the same vision. So Andy was eventually gone. Then it was the four of us. And then... Interesting. Eventually, Danielle was like, I'm fucking off to Germany. And then it was the three of us. And we, at one point, played a show. And we were like, this is just not beach party. And then I left it. I left. And I suggested the coolest bassist in the world, Kurt. He played for the fucking misers, dude. You know Kurt. Oh yes, I remember and Kurt I was playing like, for Beach Party for a little bit because he was he was amped on that because he loved Beach Party. Yeah, I know. And I was like, like, Kurt loved games. Kurt had just moved to Cape Town. I was like, this is your guy because we when he moved to Cape Town, me and Kurt were hanging out a lot, spending two late nights at bars, doing things we shouldn't be doing. Just yeah, Kurt had nothing partying, but good dude. things to say about but, you, bro. But we just had the best time, and I was like, Kurt, like I'm out and you should take my place, bro. Like, you are the perfect guy. I literally gave him two of my pedals, and I was like, do your thing, dog. <laughs> like, and he was like, dude, fuck yeah. 
fuck yeah. And that night he gave me a ring. Gave me a ring. Apparently it was him and his girlfriend at his their ring. He gave it to me and I still have it, dude. And he's now in Mexico. So I don't even know how to get it to him. Point is he played for them for a while and then Beach Party broke up. Okay, can I just tell everyone listening to this right now, if you want to hear Kurt Pineke on this podcast, please fucking tell him to be on this podcast because he keeps telling me, hey, dude, let's do the thing, and then doesn't reply for like five weeks. So <laughs> oh, man. You, Kurt, Kurt would have been on this podcast before you, but now we've got more to talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, cause of- so if Kurt, if you're listening, I have your fucking ring, dude. And you, I remember the night, it was at Kimberley Hotel, you gave me this ring and oh, said... Oh, a bad decision I made. <laughs> and he was like, dude, you should have this ring because we mates, bro. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. It's that time, dude. But to talk about crazy shit that happened in beach parties, bro, we once played a show. It was it was on a tour we did Puma Happy Holiday tour. I think you remember that. Yeah, that was the, yeah, that was the one that you guys, yeah. I think, came to Durban for. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So we played oh, that one lot. wasn't the one I booked, I think. I think that no. one was the one at live. Yes, where the bass pins broke and it was all just cock. And people came on the stage and oh, the bouncer was pretty angry, but we were just having a good time. Anyway, dude, we played the show in Mossel Bar. I've never been to this place called Mossel Bar. I didn't know how Afrikaans it was. <laughs> Bro, Oaks looked at us like we are fucking crazy. They were laughing. But we were jolling, and I remember that night so clearly because we were just having a good time, but people just couldn't seem to have a good time. Like a handful. But And I realized, just, fuck, man. What the fuck? It was a weird moment for me that to a, it was kind of when the band was doing quite well, but we were all like also young and thinking of, man, what do I want to do with my life kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is a weird like time. you don't know, like you don't know if the band's gonna make it, and like if not it's about worth the band time to carry it. on it's putting not, it. It's well, not even about, it's about the that. time. It's more because like, okay, so yes, okay, sorry, yeah. Well, okay, so what I was gonna say was that I keep because so a lot of my friends have been in bands, and a lot of them have been in relatively successful bands, yes. but very few have broken through to that point where the band is their livelihood, and I always wonder what that position is like when you're in the band just about to break through but not quite doing it. And Beach Party felt like one of those bands. Oh, dude, now that we're on this podcast, I'm going to just give you the lowdown. If Dave, Dunder, Danielle, Andy, if you're listening, you know it's true. So this is what happened, dude. We were young. We were all living together, mostly, in Camp Street. Danielle wasn't there and Zander wasn't there. But me, Dave, and Andy was living in Camp Street. You must have heard of Camp Street at some point. Yeah. We were all living together, pursuing some sort of music career. We were actually just brying every day and lying in our surf baby <laughs> pool, to be honest. Eating like surf rolls with booty relish, honestly. With no money, drinking beer every day. And... We were, getting, we were getting very little money for shows. We were, if I think back, we were actually getting fucked over quite bad. But we didn't know better, dude. We didn't know better. And we were eventually at a point where I was keen, Dave was keen. We wanted to take this band and do it properly. We had opportunity to go tour in Japan. We had opportunity to do shit, but we were too young to even know what it meant. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely and, makes sense. And it's everyone, just, uh, everyone in the band started feeling they want to do different things, which happens when you're early 20s. You think many things. You want to do this, you want to do this. But if I look back and had the mindsets of now, if we had pursued Beach Party full time at that point, I believe we would have had maybe a, quite a good run, to be honest. But we were too young, dude. We were too young and oblivious and didn't really care. Like, uh, what I'm trying to say is the, the love was there. The band was there. It was like such a good time in my life. It was so But real. the money wasn't. The business wasn't. It's, it's not about the money. It's just about we didn't really care then. We didn't realize that, whoa, there's like really cool people wanting to involve this band into the, to tour us. But we didn't care. We were like, what? Yeah, man, I want to go hang out at assembly and play a show and just get drunk. You know what I mean? It was like a very yeah, young age. That is, if, that is the yeah. early 20s thing where yes. you're like you're trying to live that rock star life. So you think like that's what it, it is. It really is that, dude. We were living some sort of a, I'm going to say rock star life, but not really at all, dude. We were actually just being young idiots. <laughs> like, dude. So, yes, we missed opportunities, but let me just get past Beach Party and get to Gateway yeah. Drugs. Gateway Drugs started in the middle of Beach Party, and dude, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, and I'm sure many yeah. others couldn't either. This is like so new to especially South African yeah, soil. Yeah, their first EP is dude, definitely like dude, one of the most, dude, like, um, like, that's the thing, it's iconic. It's iconic, and they were just then, and they were doing this, and it was really cool. Gateway Drugs started doing really well. Same time as we, we started playing shows, it would be yeah, Beach Party, and it would be Gateway Drugs closing the show, all fucking electronic. Which, as a promoter, is such a good fucking selling point, let me tell well, you. No, like, if really, I can buy five fucking flats, like, and get two gigs out of it, that's dope. Like, but we had the best time, and then there came a point where Gateway Drugs got offers for like seriously cool shit, dude. Seriously cool shit. And you, we could see like Devin and Andy is quite serious about this. And that's where Andy kind of started leaving Beach Party because he was interested in electronic music, which I totally respect and understand. It's the process of creation, dude. So you got to keep like going. Yeah. Forward. And that became really big, dude. Maybe just in Cape Town for a while. I remember no, coming up spread. to Pretoria, for example, and we all know Pretoria. We played with Beach Party in Pretoria at Arcade Empire and Gateway Drugs closed. Bro, people were standing there going, what the fuck is this <laughs> cuck? Really? I, I remember standing there like, thinking to myself like, this is, how are not people not seeing this? Like, and they did get seen and then, yeah, they made the same mistake. Also got offered from the same promoter to tour both these bands, Beach Party and Gateway Drugs. We were going to go do a lot of shows overseas, but we were too young to even think of the idea. That makes sense. Yeah, dude, it definitely does make sense. It's like you don't know what the scope is because also I guess you, you don't really have management involved and like no. and management well, we in South Africa. Oh, did you? Well, okay, well, I was about to say management in South Africa at that time was a fucking joke. So yeah, a lot of bands, a lot of bands have been mismanaged by fucking assholes who know fuck all about music. And I will say that the reason why the music, well, uh, not the reason why, but one of the reasons why the music scene in the 2000s 
didn't pop off as hard as it should is because of a lot of fucking managers I making a lot of dumb fucking Big time, decisions. dude. I agree with you. And yes, there were people that were in, involved and keen, but once again, the time just wasn't right. And I only see it a few years ago. Like I realized it just we were just too young, dude, to know better. And that's the thing you need, like when you are in those situations and it's also, I mean, I guess kids these days have so much more information at their hands and are so much more aware of what's possible and all of that. But at that time, like we were fucking, we had Blunt Magazine, man. That was it. That was the yeah. thing that like told you how things worked. And if but, you were lucky, you got enemy from overseas. And like, so that's how you start learning about the music industry and slowly but surely you're on the internet and things are coming through and this and that. But that's the thing. You just don't know what the possibilities are on the tip of Africa in a scene that doesn't really exist in terms of like an industry. You know, it existed in terms of a reality, in terms of people on the on the ground coming to shows. But in terms of the way scenes works overseas and like people able to translate those things into actual global phenomenons, like, you know, you look at Seattle, you look at fucking punk out of England and stuff like that, you know people have managed to take their scenes and turn them into these, you know, things that were super influential and super iconic. And in South Africa, like I found, I always thought Durban was the fucking Seattle of South Africa, but no one could ever give it the spotlight that it needed. And I feel like that's happened a lot. But like, let me just put this out there. As much as all these things we might've known then, this, that time of beach party was seriously my favorite time of my life up until now i learned so much about a band isn't just a business even though it is it's also a family and yeah i learned it in kid of doom but i experienced it out of my own in beach party and i cherish those moments more than i can even realize dude i have photos of these things up in my studio and i look at it every day when i walk past and i go fuck that was cool and no one can take that away from you, dude. No oh, one. Fuck. No one can take that time in your life. Like, it was just the best time, dude. And just to make it clear, Beach Party isn't done. We are, in, okay. we are talking. We've done two reunion shows. And I, I we know realized, reunion, we, we, we realized in that, pay, that time, like, man, we restarted a nice group on WhatsApp where we're all together. Okay, except Andy. But Andy, if you're listening, I love you very much, dude. You're fucking rad. He just doesn't want to do Beach Party. He's his own person. But Beach Party is in contact. We all talk as mates. And we will do another show again, a reunion kind of thing. But we want to do shit. we like older now and we feel like, let's just make some music, guys. Like, Dave's in town and he's heading back in a few months to Berlin and like, dude, it still lives within us. It's weird. It's weird. I can't explain it, dude. It's weird. It's like this: the bond is still there. The friendship is still there. But the band is gone. You know like, what I mean? I think that's also when the band does that because that happens. Like, you look at so many bands, like, they part over the years, you know, and then they get back together. They play a couple shows. They put out an album. Then they go do their own things. And I think that's obviously because the friendship endures and it's no longer this thing about being in a touring working band, it's about making music with your friends. Dude, so we played this reunion show. It was last year. I don't know when. It was closer to the end of the year. I think it was November or something. No, 
No, I mean two years ago, before the pandemic. Years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, this is like this whole COVID thing eliminates a year. So it was twenty. It was twenty nineteen. We did this reunion show. It was me, Dave, Zander, and Danielle. And dude, we played at an event called Raptor Room. We, I came down. I, love Room. I came down a week before. Oh, I wanted years. to fucking go to that show. I couldn't. Yeah, because yeah. it's in Cape Town. Ah, oh, man, we were actually emotional during that show. It was so fucking epic. Not the crowd or anything. Just we were just jamming like dude. we were always jamming. And dude, no one can take that away from you it's just like a feeling but anyway yeah beach party is sick best band i've ever played in and it's not over i believe we'll get there again maybe one day like i'm heading over to netherlands end of this year for a while i don't know how long but i'm gonna just kind of go out there and do whatever i need to do and dave is in berlin and zander travels quite often over because he's like insane fucking videographer guy so we're going to just try do some shit and see where it goes, dude. No intention. That's what I'm trying to say. It's just things might happen. Things might not happen. Yeah, but we're going to just go have fun. I do need to ask, though. I feel like some people that you work with might be a little insulted by that uh, best band I've ever worked with comments. Because what about Van Pletsen, bro? No, dude, I don't say it in the way of like, it's the only no, best I... band I've ever worked with. But I say <laughs> it in the way of I've learned so much from that band and being I in a band you. like I was, that. I was just trying to so, segue. So I don't mean it like, hey, this is the only coolest band we've been in. Dude, we'll, you want to talk about from Pletson, we can talk about from Pletson. But Beach Party was a special time in your life. It's a very special time and I cherish it and I'm in contact with all of them, dude. So it all ended up being really cool. It was right. Everything happened as it should have. Okay, now, as anyone is listening to this now and has interacted with Van Pletten, but maybe had never heard any of this that you have spoken about, they might be a little confused and they might not know what the fuck is going on because Nax is someone completely different to everything you have just told us. So please explain, what is Van Pletten? Because to me, it like it's a strange project that blurs the lines between real and surreal and oh, yeah. Okay. So okay. what is what is Van Pletsen and who are you when it comes to Van Pletsen? Let me give you the lowdown. So I met Peach when I was young. He's really good friends with my brother. They're in the same age bracket. They're all in the like entering the second half of the thirties. So I knew Peach <laughs> for a long time. Gracious way to say that, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that too for a second. Anyway, I was in Cape Town. When I left Cape Town after Beach Party. And after everything I did there, I came back and Peach is a producer, music producer, and I've always known him. And I came back, no work, back at like my mom's house. I'm like back from Cape Town. It's been six years. And Peach was like, yo, dude, we know each other. He's like, yo, you want to like come by the studio sometime? And I was like, Brad, let's do this. I'd love to come by because I've worked with him on Halle Beautiful stuff. He's mixed a lot of my stuff in that time. So I went there. One thing leads to another. I started apprenticing by him because I started getting very interested in production. And so this is where you people, learn all that. Okay. But people do that you don't see. People behind the scenes, production and all that stuff, mixing. So I started apprenticing for him for like petrol money, but I was, and I had nothing to lose. I'm, 
back in my hometown. It's just me. I'm like, let's go. Once again, my brother played a part in that. He made it kind of happen in a sense, which he always somehow plays a part in my career in a weird way. One thing leads to another, dude. We like start gelling. We start really getting each other. And we both knew this at that point. But it's I'm still like this young dude just trying to like make something in a studio industry. And he's already kind of, how can I say, um, known and affiliated and yeah he's got a name in him he's like there one thing leads to another like because of stuff, Patrinda, because of everything yeah, else like yeah like he's, he's yes someone people, who everyone knows yeah he's kind of yes like, yes says people especially yeah so we start doing stuff together and i start composing and dude one thing it's another from the studio here in Pretoria, he's like i'm gonna move to Joburg. this is feels right for me. I'm leaving my studio to drive it. And I'm like, bro, I will drive through it every day. I'm your guy. Like, let's go. So now we now he's in Joburg. He's got a studio in Greenside, living in somewhere else in Joburg. And one day we realized like, yo, we're always making music for other people. Cause I I wasn't mixing at that point at Planet Awesome, which is the company's name. I wasn't mixing. I was just composing and setting up like songs. One day we were like, let's do a song together, dude. Like, fuck, let's do something different. And yes, just quick side note, we did do a song together and had a beautiful, but it was totally like just a feature of Peach. So go across the road. There's a bar because he lived, he was studio was in Greenside. You know Greenside. Those that know yeah. Greenside, it's like a nice strip. Drank a beer. We had a smoke and we like, we need to like, just maybe make a song, just a song. And that is when we wrote Zauberfluten, the song that pretty much put us on a weird map of the side of Afrikaans music. Funny what enough. What was the plan there? Did you like, when you guys wrote that song, what were you thinking? I will tell you what happened there. So I had a song that I made for someone else. I'll mention the name. His name is Majosi. You know him. <laughs> He's so been on I, this podcast, yes. So I, I did yeah. I did a pitch for him. He was like, I reached out to him like, yo, I'd love to pitch to produce you something. He's like, fuck yeah, let's go. He's a super nice guy and he's like super cool. I pitched him the music of Zobert Fluton and he was like, listen, I like it, but I don't feel it's my vibe, which I totally understood at that point. And that's when I was like, Peach, here's like a pitch of something. And then he was like, Maybe I should sing it. Dude, he wrote the saddest fucking lyrics, the saddest shit over it. And I was like, listen here, bro. I No, this is not a vibe. And I told him, maybe you should just sing about what do you do every day or what's your life like? And that's where Zob smoking a lacquer joint if you're keen or having a beer just fucking every day. That's where Van Pletzen was born. That day, dude. I was going to say, so what is Van Pletzen's, like, overall ideology? Because you're definitely pushing an ideology. It started off as a joke, I'll be honest. It started off as, like, oh, we were just, no, we were just no having way. fun. No no, we, we were just having fun in the studio, singing about Zob, which Zob with a flute is actually a German musical with a flute. And I was like, I always call Zob, well, how can I say, weed, I guess, 
I call it Zob, you know, I just kind of gave it a name. And he did these lyrics and we laughed for like, we laughed, Brad, we laughed. And we were like, this is never going to be anything. We laughed. It started off as a joke. We started making these funny skits. Peach is known for his little characters he's always been playing throughout his years. Yeah. We just kind of connected our two ideas together without knowing. And we made the song. And funny enough, we didn't release that song. We were like, no, this is too out there, bro. This is too weird. People aren't, people are going to like kill us for this. So we left that song. Then we made Alan Style. I made a beat and he sang, he told a story. We released it and we were still laughing at that point because we were like, dude, who the fuck's going to like this? Afrikaans, Oaks, like, what the fuck is this? And it, it kind of just kicked off from there. A lot of hate, a lot of like, and we just, Kicked it off from there, dude. Then we released Soberfluten. We made the video with... Then we were on the jazz farm. Jazz farm as in the Dacher couple's <laughs> farm. So we're friends with the Dacher couple. And they like, shoot this video here. We like, it took us a while to get there. And that's kind of where it began. So it was a joke. It's still... It's not a joke anymore, but it's still satire. People mustn't yeah. take us too seriously. Because seriously now, dude. Yes. Some people take shit too seriously, but we also have deeper and confluence and meaning in our music, and it's been crafted from then to now. It's so fast now. I don't know even how to explain this. We're just having a good time, but also relating to some things in between the satire. Well, that's the thing. I, th well, I mean, not even in between. I think the satire itself and what you're satirizing is what might be relatable at times. And for various people in Afrikaans culture or white Afrikaans culture, at least, and people outside of it who have experiences with it, there is something within what you do that reflects it, but doesn't necessarily reflect. Like it's, um, like it's a fun, fun house mirror of you know white afrikaans like culture like not quite kurt darany kind of stuff but in that way that like some pop music in afrikaans culture can be quite frivolous as i understand yeah, it yeah, and, yeah. and to me that's kind of what it seems to almost be mocking but at the same time paying homage to as satire does in a lot of ways and so that's the thing that's why i think people connect with it because it is this thing that's like if I, I'm just projecting it. I'm just imagining because I don't know what it's like to grow up Afrikaans. But I can imagine if you grow up in Afrikaans culture, and once again, specifically white Afrikaans culture, you grow up with all these things that you find funny, but they're normal in your culture. And I feel like Van Pletsen's almost a way to make fun of the things that you grew up with, but not in a harmful way, just in a so, bringing everyone in on the joke way. Check, nothing's harmful. We actually, if you listen to the lyrics, if you read the lyrics, which is weird, it's different then. It's literally just like everyday life, Goodbye. to be honest. It's just, there are some sad things, but it's real. And we just play it in a fun way. But there's mostly satire. Our first album is very satire. It's very like out there as in like, we're saying what maybe someone won't necessarily say, but they think. I don't know how to say it. Like, yeah. I mean, dude, we, Zauberfluten, I mean, come on. <laughs> like, how is, oh, smoke, dude. And I don't, how do I put this in a, okay, check it out. So, technically, I think we entered a scene of people 
Now the Afrikaans and English, I'll get to that because we sing both languages at yeah. the same time, that are like, well, I can relate to this. And at the end of the day, we were just relating to ourselves, really. Meaning, you're not alone. You're not alone out there. Like, I'm not going to try be this fake pop star that sings about, oh, I lost love and love is so sick. Like, fuck that, dude. We were like, let's just sing about what we like. Like in Alan's style, fucking take a space cake, chill on the beach, chill out and dance. Isn't that what, what more could you want a lot of life? people would like to kind of do those that don't don't need to. It's like we're not bad-mouthing anything, but a lot of people do hate us for some odd fucking really? reason. Dude, what, the amount of you hate okay. mail we get. I've never... Okay, please explain to me because I didn't. You mentioned it just now, and like I like my ears picked up a little bit there because it's like I didn't know that. I thought people fucking loved you guys. You know, no, look. I think I personally and Peach we connect with everyone that reaches out. It's like a thing I just like to do. I like to reply to people because I would like that from people I send messages to. But then you get Oaks and oh, who knows. It's sent us the most horrible shit, dude. And you're like, how did you even get to this message, bro? But I would never necessarily reply like that. I'm just like, hey, dude, yo, sorry, cool, man. But people get angry. What, what do they hate about it? They hate about that we just fake. Do they think you're mocking? No, they think oh, we okay. fake. No, they think we fake. That's all I can say about it. I don't even know how else to put it. Have they ever watched wrestling before? Have they ever Dude, watched TV? No, Have they like, ever seen or understand the concept of check, characters? I don't exactly, but I don't hate on these people. Like I don't actually really fathom myself in this these conversations. I don't care if people hate whatever. But it's the strangest thing to see when you're just putting out a good vibe, someone will hate it. It's the weirdest thing. As everyone says about that stuff, you know, it's people's own internal issues. Yeah, exactly. Like, and as, as someone that hates someone hating, like, whatever. Dude, I'll be honest, I've hated before too, bro. I'm not going <laughs> to hide that. I'm not going to, like, say, no, I've never fucking hated. I have too. Yeah, but, you, but, but you, don't send them, you don't send a message to the band members telling them how much they fucking suck. Like, it doesn't get to me because I don't, it's bad energy. I don't care about that. I just, say cool man good for you kind of thing like it doesn't get to me dude but it's the strangest thing to see a reaction of someone when you put work out and i'm sure you've been through this if someone can just take the time to hate it but you've literally like being super sincere and nice i don't know it's a weird one yeah but it is part of the process of putting art out into the world it has gotten different in these days because of the way social media is but like no artist expects everyone to love what they put out there. And it is one of those things that you have to learn to deal with. For me, it is just that whole thing of like sending messages directly to the fucking artists that I hate. That is shit that like, I'm just like, fuck you. We can have a cool conversation about stuff publicly. I'm cool with that. If someone releases art, they want it to be discussed. And you don't get to control that discussion, unfortunately. Even me with this podcast, you know, people will get to say whatever they want about it. And if you're having private conversations about the podcast and telling your friends you think it fucking sucks, that's cool. 
But when you tweet me that you think the podcast sucks, like then I'm just like, okay, okay. Now you want to cause some shit. Now you want to start some fucking problems. You can have your opinion. Just don't tell me it. That's how I feel about things. But coming down to all of this, the funny thing is we we backlog comments on our YouTube where it's like, oh, this is shit and fake and whatever, whatever. Most of those haters, put in brackets, actually now, to this day, I've been in contact with them and they have even been like, yo, I actually like your guys' vibe. Sorry that I was like like that. I just didn't get it then. <laughs> so the funny thing is... You can win them over. You, you win them over just with love, dude. And it that's kind of like a con- concept of life, to be honest. I don't know how to explain this. Like I it's a weird to, I need to learn to embrace that, dude, because I don't have that. Look, there will always be weird things. And yes, our band is fucking weird. Dude, people thought our first show, they were expecting a fucking comedy show. They were expecting a comedian, but then they realized... Well, like Conan and Twaki. Literally, but then we'd like deliver the show, like this actual show. And people were very confused at that stage going, what the fuck is this? We released like Alan Styles, Zabur, and then yeah. we played our first show. You did that earlier. Oh, it snaps. So a, you year, a year later, a year later, we only played our first show. Sorry, no, Beats Amazing was also out, I think. And we played our first show at Obikopi, thanks to <laughs> the team there. But how we worked it is like, seriously, we have a small following of some sorts. And I knew that the show was going to work. I knew it was going to be a show because no one knew we were even going to be playing live. People were like, there's videos. Yeah, a lot of people release music, but they never play. People yeah. didn't think we were actually going to go further and play a live show. We did. And it just opened up the whole idea of this is actually a band, not just a joke. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I get that. In a weird way. But anyway, from Platon, it's still banter. It's still satire. There is some seriousness. We've brought it out. We've actually just shot a whole TV show that won't be on TV because people think it's too that. fucking out there, which it really isn't. But people are could scared. You, could you guys so, pitch it to? I pitch it to everyone, but Oaks are not keen. So we're going to put it on YouTube. It's called Prating. It's mostly Peach. He's like Prat. I'm there in some episodes, but I'm involved. Well, Nax doesn't really talk, so Nax yeah. is a bit of a stoner. Yeah, I'm like a mysterious kind of character, you know. Okay, we're so going to play it that way. Then. The point is, it's done. We've got 15 episodes with a vast amount of people in the industry. And the whole idea of the show is not, we don't ask them normal questions. We put them on the spot. They don't get a sheet of questions before. They rock up there and they sit on the couch and that's it. Take it from there. So I don't want to give too much away, but. Yes, I'm super excited for this venture. It's something different for us. So it's expanding, expanding the brand. Gonna come out soon, and then we also have a very exciting thing that was all my ideas on 420, you know, <laughs> April. We're releasing our own weed brand, actually, with three strains. <laughs> so yeah, we're releasing. What are the legalities re- behind that? We're Zombie flute, <laughs> but. Everyone is involved, and it's all legal and doable, and we do it. Okay, 
I mean, I'm I'm just kind of sponsored by a weed shop at the moment, but like I'm not sure of the legalities of everything yet, so I'm not going to be shouting yeah. out things until yeah. I've chatted to a lawyer. Yeah, um, I hear you. Yeah. No, look, I think there is obviously some red tape, but we're gonna go with it. So that's all I'm gonna say. You can be the we, pioneers because you're, gonna... you're, you're friends with the Ducker couple. So... <laughs> So yeah, we've got some things in the pipeline and obviously, yes, we just released a single, which is a lot different than what we've ever done, but fuck, we need to release something. And just to end off the Fabletton thing, it sucks that we can't play shows, but it will come back. So we've been working on a lot of other things that don't involve actual shows, but we have been working on the brand, if that, if I can put it that way. And there are two big things coming out very soon. That's at least the one thing I think Van Pletten's been very good at is the the media side of things. They're putting stuff out, good music videos, fun music videos, always being, you know, always doing stuff. Even if you're not, you know, releasing music or putting live shows out there, you're still Dude, making like, sure that what? there's something that you're interacting Dude, with. Honestly, like, I don't know how, I'm sure you feel the same, but this whole live show thing, Yes, they were right. It's going to kick in a year later. You're going to start feeling it, and I'm sure you feel it too. I miss watching a band. doesn't matter who the fuck the band is. I don't even care what I've band I'm going to go watch. I, just I will go watch, watch the, the shittiest band, band in the world. Bro, I will I watch three I dudes miss. out of time fucking who Bro. played like four months in the garage and like have now brought their fucking... You know, one guy listened to Nirvana, one guy listened to Rage Against I, Machine, the other guy listened to Metallica. To I'm just, into it. I just miss going to a venue and just watching, like, a band. Exactly. Dude. Like, it's such a weird trip. And, yes, it's coming back slowly, but fuck knows, dude. Who even knows what, what. Yeah, I just miss weird. going out and be like, oh, cool, there's, like, a show at this place here. Don't really know the line as well, but I just like hearing loud noise shit like fuck i miss it dude yeah i'm being surprised man and like that's yes. the dope thing about going to gigs that you don't know like who, who like anyone on the fucking bill and you're like huh these guys are pretty good i should watch them again and then you watch them you know down the road and over the course of the year you see this band get fucking better and it's like that whole experience exactly, like dude. the whole the whole like, thing it comes down to why i feel i wanted to get into music it's kind of comes down to that dude it really does comes down to the day i was at thrashes just skateboarding my mom dropped me off my brother's playing a gig i'm watching some fucked up punk band but it's fucking rad it's just yeah man it's it's like one of those it all comes down to that and yes i've had some very dark down times in the last year and i'm sure not most of you, everyone scene. has. Not even in the creative scene. I think a lot of everyone, people have been yeah. going through weird shit. And man, I miss that, dude. And I know you're a big band show, keeping the scene alive, trying to really, you put your love into this, dude. And I see it. And a lot of other people do. And you're not alone. Like, I just, we just, we don't know what to do at this point. Like, you just need to wait yep. it out. It sucks. But yeah. That's the thing to me. It's been the whole like, wait. We we do have to just wait it out. Like, I've been like, following you for a long time, dude, and <laughs> I see what you're doing, and it's fucking rad. I appreciate that, dude. Like genuinely, I mean, as someone who's followed you for a long time, like I genuinely do appreciate that. 
And like this time period is one of the weirdest because like you say, like that's the thing I've constantly on this podcast preached, you know, like, please just, if you don't have to take shows, don't take them. Like if you can find other ways to make money, please do that. Like yeah, I'm because- totally for that. Eh? That's, we haven't been playing and Oaks are tuning us, but like, just be real, you know? Exactly. And the thing is, it's not coming from a place of like, oh, this doesn't fucking hurt, dude. Like staying at home for a year to me is death. It's being this uh, yeah, thing yeah. that's just like slowly but surely fucking like whistled away at my soul. And I still know that like there will be good times again. There will be yeah, times course. where we get to just fucking you know, dance with our friends again. It will be there again. Just wait it the fuck out and find other ways to make your band active, if that makes sense. Like you guys have. Like you did a whole entire yeah, fucking team. Many, many people have. Like look at so many artists in our country that are thriving just in different ways. I mean, that's the thing. You're a creative person, so you can find creative ways to do things. That's kind of been my philosophy with all of this is just – what are your other skills? What are your other ways yeah. that you can... Like, you at, know? The end of, at the end of the day, as bad as all this whole year has kind of been, it also makes, I think, and not a lot of people might talk about it, but it's also brought up other good things that you didn't really know you wanted to do. That makes, exactly in a weird way, sense. I don't know. No, that makes so much sense. For you, what was that? The, we'll, we all end on this. What are... What are the things that COVID made us focus on? So we've always wanted to do some sort of a TV show. And obviously we wanted to shoot a movie, but that's not going to happen now. So we wanted to do something that, that, yeah, eventually. We wanted to like do a TV show. Just from the beginning, we were like, we need, we just make these stupid jokes and somehow people like it. And we kind of, in last year, just shot a whole 15 episode season of a tea show and it's like done now and we're like fuck how the fuck <laughs> and like you know what i mean it's like weird so we actually subconsciously did what we wanted to do a long time ago and we always thought the time will never be right but the time was just right now that is the whole thing is that it just now offers you time to do the other things you weren't pursuing essentially and for you guys that was this tv show that I where can people was, see I think it, it um, so where it's going to be aired, we don't know yet, but it's going to be soon. I can't talk too much about <laughs> it, but these yeah, are great the, details. Things are happening, and it's going to be aired soon. We just, I just can't say more about it now. Okay, so yeah, where where can people? I will obviously put links. There's going to be a place. There will be a place where it's going to be seen. But for Von Pletzen and for yourself, where can people find you on the internet? You can literally search Von Pletzen on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, that weird fucking place anyway. Oh shit, are you guys on TikTok? Actually, that makes so much fucking sense for you guys. That actually, (laughs) that makes so much sense. But we there, and on another conversation, TikTok changed music in this last year for some weird reason, and a lot of artists. But yes, search Von Pletzen, you will get, I don't know, I must link it up somewhere, I guess, but search Fun Platon. You'll probably find a lot of Peach's family's career in it because they're all actors and shit. But you will find Fun Platon in there and then search Prating. You'll definitely find snippets of what we're about to release. And 
Myself, I go under the name Yo Nax. You can search that. Peach is Peach from Pletson. And on my own side, yeah, oh, fuck. I'm going to, at some point, probably release something again on Hello Beautiful, but there's no timeline, dude. So, I don't know. I don't really use Facebook that much. I'm quite off it. I just use the band page, but I'm active on Instagram. And I do reach out to literally everybody that reaches out to me. So yeah, if people want to get in touch with Yonax, go find Yonax on Instagram in particular. Cool, bro. Well, thank you so much for your time tonight. This has such been a such pleasure, a good chat. This is like an honor to be on your show, dude. It's just been super great. It's been super great to talk to you. I've, I've like kind of known you for quite some time, but I've never had such a long conversation with you. It's been nice. No, we should, our conversations we should, have we always been over this again. Dude. We should do this again personally and... I just want to put it out there. There's a lot of things I could have brought it out in more, like spoke more about, but I think the lowdown is there. Yeah, dude, like I'm going to definitely get you back on here at some point because there were some things I wanted to chat more about to you. You know, like I've got, I've got my notes and stuff like that. Yes. But the cool thing about these conversations is that they go the way they go, man. Yeah, like it's I not so, yeah. like, like you were saying just now, like there's no time period with like, you know, the music thing and stuff like that. I'm trying my best these days to not create under pressure, you know, to not worry. Like, you know, you do the prep, you do what you need to do and you let the rest happen. Pretty and much, yeah. yeah, well, that, that's how I'm trying to go. Cause I'm reading, I'm reading a lot of like, like Tao philosophy stuff. So yeah, <laughs> dude, you need trying to, to just be you, like water. You in philosophy, you need to get Peach on the show. Cause he's needy oh, dude, I, in philosophy. Oh no, dude, he's definitely someone who's on the list. Like, like he, half the people you you've mentioned tonight. It's just, I need bro. to, I just need to steer away from Pretoria for like a month or two. And then I'll come <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah. And then I'll come back. And then I'll come back. And this can't be yeah. the Pretoria music. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you did. But yes, please get Peach on. You will thank me later. You guys will not even talk about music, to be honest. You guys will. No, I'll, I will bring up the one time that I was performing with Kurt and the K Bomb. Um, because Viv wasn't there. So it was three white boys on stage uh, for a band called The K-Bomb, and we were opening for Bitterainda. What? And they were... Uh, and this was my first time ever rapping. Uh, <laughs> and they, they were heckling us from the side of the stage. So, yeah, we will chat about that. Yeah. No, no, please do. But thank you so much, dude. This has been great. And lacquer.